It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And good morning, our lines are open. Welcome to Tuesday's Cork Today, 0818-103-103. Or you can text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. And ahead on this morning's programme, we're going to hear uh, from parents who have been in touch with us over the last 24 hours since our conversation yesterday from Senator Tim Lumbers and indeed other parents who did contact us regarding the school transport issue. Uh, we'll have more on that shortly on the programme from those still affected and cannot get a bus for their child to their nearest school. Also this morning, a clampdown on one-off housing has been recommended to the government. Now, this was made by an expert review group who say the relaxed approach to housing needs to end. But how do those who wish to build one-off housing feel about this? We're going to chat with Mokra on the issue this morning. And a reduction of speed limits to reduce fatalities on our roads was mentioned last week by the government. We hear from the Love 30 group this morning because they've been campaigning for a number of years uh, for the speed limit in all urban and town centres to be reduced to 30k. Some are already reduced in and around the Cork area. They welcome the call for speed limits uh, reductions. We'll chat to them on the programme. And interesting, I see this morning and I read in many of the papers that the state must do everything it can to be ready for more paramedics. This is from the Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly. He warned this yesterday and he added that there'll be more emergencies for the world and indeed for Ireland and they'll be more frequent in the next and uh, every 100 years, according to him anyhow. And he's adding that he's getting all this advice when he met with the World Health Organization expert, Dr. Mike Ryan in Geneva recently. So while he is saying that, we're going to hear this morning from one paramedic who cannot get a job in Ireland. And because of this, she's willing to work in Cork, anywhere in Cork, but because of her unable to get work, she commutes to the UK to work and she commutes from Skull. It's bizarre to think that the the work is there, but she's unable to work because of different criteria between the UK, what qualifications she has in Ireland, more or less. Anyhow, we'll hear from her later in the programme. And a cycle to raise funds for Keen's Kennels will be held this Sunday, leaving the mizzen. We're going to speak to those involved and hear more about the fantastic work that charity does later in the programme. And from 12.30, our regular councillor, Joe Heffernan, will join us. Sunday, as you are aware, was World Suicide Prevention Day. 
Uh, Joe will talk to us later about awareness and suicide prevention warning signs. So that and much more to come between now and one o'clock. Lines open 0818 103 103. And we'll go to the phone lines very shortly because the Fianna Fáil politicians, they are meeting this morning again for day two of their annual thinking as farmers continue to protest outside uh, the venue at the Horse and Jockey in Tipperary. Uh, today they're discussing housing and the future of the media. More on that in a while, but yesterday uh, they were speaking and called on the Education Minister, Norma Foley, to be radical and bring in free school buses nationwide. Now it was Cork Northwest Deputy Andres Moynihan, along with John McGuinness and a number of senators asked for this at the thinking yesterday, and they also pushed back about the policy Bus Aaron have on banning over 70 school drivers uh, for the transport system when it comes to school buses. Uh, they feel that is wrong, especially when there's a shortage of drivers and indeed a shortage of buses. And we learned yesterday evening then some good news from parents we heard from last week. Uh, these are parents of school children attending Rath Duff National School and Skulvirigan Small in Blarney. They lost the bus service last uh, Thursday and now the bus service resumed this morning. There was a big campaign to get the bus back. It's back working. So good news there uh, for parents in the Blarney area, in the Rath Duff area and, and that part of Cork and indeed the wider Granada area, uh, but we still have issues from people who live in Glenville, who live in Watergrass Hill and who live in Bandon. We heard some of the stories from Bandon yesterday. Let's go back to the common line. Claire joins me from Bandon. Good morning to you, Claire. Morning, JP. Um, you're, as I mentioned, you're in Bandon. Tell me your story because you have three children who were going to the school nearest to you, the nearest mixed school, which is Laura, which we heard about yesterday. There's a big problem there with the school bus tickets and the school transport in that region. And you did not get a bus ticket this year. No, JP, we didn't. Um, similar to Anita, who you spoke to yesterday, um, we all applied for the bus. We did. Thankfully, we were lucky to have tickets last year. Um, we all applied and four children were not allocated tickets, um, three of whom are mine and one is Anita, um, who you spoke to yesterday. So we've just spoken to Bus Erin and they just say, you know, sorry, it's full, nothing we can do. So we're just on a campaign really to try and get the kids bus tickets as the bus stops outside my door every morning and all the neighbours, are many neighbours are on it and I'm driving to school um, behind the bus twice a day. So like Anita yesterday and other callers we heard in various parts of Cork, you you didn't get the ticket for your bus. And the bus isn't full, is it? There is seats available on this there bus. There are seats on the bus, yeah. yeah. Apparently there are seats on the bus. And there are now three buses going up to the school um, and none of them are full from what we've heard. And those three um, buses, are they going from in and around the same area you are or are they going from different locations? Two of them are passing the door here and one of them comes from the other side of town. And we've spoken to the uh, bus operators who are operating the route and they're very willing to put on a bigger bus with extra seats. That's absolutely no problem. But the bus there and just need to authorise it and that's where the problem is. And that's the bizarre thing. The bus operators are willing to help. They're willing to put on extra uh, buses and indeed bigger buses. But again, it goes back to bus Aaron who aren't sanctioning this. And because of that, then you're left in this situation. But even that, outside of bigger buses, there is seats on the bus. So surely they can work something when there are seats available on the bus to let your uh, children on the bus and indeed your your neighbours as well. And is it so what's happening, as you mentioned, are you travelling behind the bus, going to Laura and then leaving Laura again in the evening after school and driving back behind the bus? Oh, every day. We waved at the bus this morning. We waved at all the kids at the bus this morning. The bus let me pull out in front of it and we all headed up the road together. 
and exactly the same thing uh, coming down at 3 o'clock again. I'm driving behind the bus. I'm waiting for it to drop the kids off. But where I live, there's, there's this one house on either side of me. There are, but those kids are on the bus. So I'm waiting for the bus to drop those kids off, which it does. And then I pull in after behind us. Makes absolutely no sense. It's ludicrous, yeah. In a world where, Claire, we're all being told, use public transport, don't drive if you don't have to, walk, cycle, you know, use the bus. And then you're in a situation whereby you have to get on the car. Let me reduce the carbon footprint and traffic congestion, etc. But yeah, there we are, driving up and down behind the bus every day, twice a day. And you then have to go to work as well. So does this affect your work or, or how are you managing this? It does. Well, particularly I work, um, I do night duty, I'm a healthcare worker. So the problem is coming home in the morning and having to drive up the road after being up all night with the kids in the car behind the bus. Um, previously, we could have carpooled, obviously, you know, before we got the bus. And when my neighbours weren't on the bus, it was no problem to carpool. But unfortunately, now we can't because their kids are on the bus. So, yeah, I'm coming home from work and then driving up the country road with the kids in the bus. Or, excuse me, with the kids in the car behind the bus after a night shift. So, yeah, it's just not very safe but at the moment that's just what we have to do You have no option but to do no, that unfortunately No, no And when you spoke to Bus Air and yourself even though they're they're headstrong and saying they won't help had they any kind of light for you at the end of the tunnel or is it just simply a big no still? No, it was simply a big no and all they said was oh you can just appeal the decision which I did you, they, you can access a form online where you appeal the decision and you get an email back saying thanks very much we let you know um, when your appeal will be heard so that was I think I did that in July, the end of July, and sure, I've heard nothing since. And is this the first year that bus has passed, or had they tickets for the bus last year, or how was they it had working? for the bus last year, yeah. Last year was the first time that the route um, service to our house and, and the other estate where Anita is. Last year was the first time it was put on, and we were lucky enough to get tickets. Were they concessionary um, tickets, is it? They were concessionary tickets, yeah. Because of where the school is, um, it's kind of at a crossroads, really, between Bandon and Newsom's Town. You know, there's quite a few school around around but it's our closest co-ed school um, so yes we got tickets last year and then according to Bus Erin this year there was four Priority 1 applicants did not get tickets three of whom are mine um, Priority 1 meaning people who had tickets last year who were refused or who were entitled to tickets but I have since heard from people who applied for the first time this year and they got tickets very strange and I do know the area you're talking about I mentioned yesterday that's my old primary school so yes. I'm very aware of the area and I'm very aware where you and the rest of those affected are living and it just but it doesn't matter where you are or where you're living to think, to think there's a bus in your housing estate collecting everybody driving away and yet there's seats on the bus and you're behind it so you could be anywhere you could be anywhere in Cork it doesn't matter where we are it doesn't it should not be happening we are driving up and down behind Every day. Yeah, no, it should not be happening. And I'm sure no. you're not the only one. If Hopefully more people will come forward Absolutely. on this. It seems to be a national problem, really, from like, we, in fairness, our local representatives have been very, very helpful and fighting our cause. And it just from what we've heard, this is, this is going on every year. It's the same problem every year. And so, your three kids, um, how do they feel watching their schoolmates go on the bus and then they have to get into the car? I mean, they must be asking questions. Oh, of course they are. Now, to be fair, like they're they're pretty good, like, and they know that we're very much fighting to try and get them tickets. But of course, they're wondering why can't they go on the bus with their friends and their neighbours? How come everybody is on the bus and they're not? And you're trying to explain. Well, actually, this is the story. In as much as you can to three small kids, yeah, and they do. They do get upset about it. Of course, they do. Yeah, it's like they're being yeah. excluded and at a young Absolutely. age. Absolutely, and that's it. That's it. Yeah, it is. 
It's hard to explain that to them. Uh, and I'd say you're not alone in various other parts of Cork City and County. We will get on to Bus Air and again, Claire, and see if they will offer any hope or light or see why indeed you have a bus leaving with the seats empty in the bus and still oh. your three not allowed on it. Indeed, neighbours in the same situation. Thanks for sharing your story this morning, Claire, and joining us. Thanks very much, JP. Thank you. We'll Take see what happens. Everyone. Thank you. That's Claire there uh, in Bandon joining us on 0818 103 103. And staying on the topic of education on WhatsApp regarding the issue of school buses. Uh, somebody here saying, hi, John Paul. In the UK, they have free bus passes up to the age of 16 years and then the college will have to sign for each year onwards. Ireland is way behind the times and then the children can avail of all public transport going to school and not just private buses. So that person would have known what's happening within the UK. And we had a few calls in yesterday then regarding the junior search. What is happening with the junior search? When will the exam results be out? Well, uh, the results of this year's junior search, because the Department of Education came back to us, but also Norma Foley did come out yesterday with this as well. Uh, The exam results will be released to students on October the 18th and the exams will be available. The results, that is, from schools and available online after four o'clock. So October the 18th is the date for the release of this year's junior search exam results. Our lines are open 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And on the way next, we're going to hear about a clampdown which could be on the way for one-off housing. This is a decision that was recommended to the government from an expert group who feels we have too much of a relaxed approach when it comes to housing needs in this country. We're going to chat with Makra on that next. Court today on C103. A clampdown on one-off housing in rural areas has been recommended to the government by an expert review group who feels there is a relaxed approach to housing and this needs to end. Now ironically last week listener Seamus raised this issue to a mixed response and Ashling O'Keefe who is the Munster Vice President of Mokra joins me this morning. Good morning to you Ashling. Morning, how are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. I suppose many young farmers listening will be hoping in the future to build on their lands and the first review of the National Planning Framework that found the continued pattern of scattered individual dwellings across the countryside that it would remain a challenge for any future governments. Would you be against any changes that may be coming down the line on one-off housing? So I think the biggest thing really is that there's an urgent um, review needed of all the rural planning guidelines. Um, there, I suppose, in instances, there needs to be um, the option for people to build one-off housing, as you said, for farmers. Often they need to be able to, to live on their farm. They need to be close to the farm during calving in these periods. So they need they need the option of being able to live on their land. But often this isn't just building one-off housing. There may be a vacant farmhouse or a derelict farmhouse already on the farm. So there needs to be, um, I suppose, better options to, to renovate and refurbish these houses as well. That's true. And I suppose use the existing building or dwelling that even though it isn't up to scratch, it can be used rather than building a new dwelling on existing lands. Uh, but what about then if you look at the county development plan for Cork? I mean, one of the highlights, if you more or less put it into normal language, it basically doesn't want and doesn't allow the building of one-off housing if there's a housing estate after being built a few minutes drive down the road. I mean, does that make sense from a services point of view? A lot of our listeners understood what you were saying there regarding 
farmers. I mean, I don't think anybody has an issue about a farmer building on his land so he can farm the land. But many would not be farming, have land and want to build a one-off house when there is a full housing estate around the corner. I mean, that does not need to be looked at. Yeah, of course, and I suppose um, a, a lot of the a lot of the pushback to it to one-off housing is around um, the waste removal and um, sewage and stuff like that. So that that definitely needs to be looked at. And I suppose the biggest thing there is there needs to be a proper review of the rural planning guidelines and proper proper um, procedures put in place on when when. Um, individual one-off housing um, can be given in in rural Ireland. And I suppose, as you said, housing estates, um, if it's only a minute or two away, then of course um, that might be the best option. But often people can be 5, 10 kilometres from the nearest village and it mightn't be feasible um, for them to be to be living in the nearest town um, if they're working the land or if they have a house or sorry, not a house, a shop or another business um, in in a rural area that mightn't be within a village or a town itself, then they need the option um, to live in rural Ireland. Um, I suppose one of the biggest things is um, with COVID and um, the the option for remote working over the last years, it's been great to rejuvenate rural Ireland, but people need to be able to live and work in rural Ireland for there to be a future for rural Ireland. So, there needs to be proper planning guidelines put in place. Um, at the moment, there's, there's a lot of talk about this won't be allowed, this will be allowed, and councils are, are, I suppose, doing their own thing. So there needs to be proper guidelines put in place nationally that everyone is following. Um, so we're all following the one, one procedure. What would you like to see included in those guidelines when you mention a review of planning in rural areas? I mean, you did touch on dwellings that may have fallen down over the years that they could be, you know, done up and refurbished. Outside of that, what else would you like to see? Um, So I think the biggest thing is that there would be um, specific guidelines in place that everyone knows exactly what's going to be, exactly what is and isn't allowed around um, one-off housing, um, whether it's cluster housing, you know, that houses are within a certain distance of each other and are sharing sewer systems and and different things like this so that there would still be a possibility to live in rural Ireland um, and not to have everyone in in the towns and the villages. Um, So it's just, I suppose, it's it's looking at it in a practical way so that people can still live and work in rural Ireland. It's not feasible for every single person to live in our towns and villages. so I suppose it's, it's just to take a practical approach to it. And then with sustainability and the environment being discussed a lot at the moment, the real focus in many areas. Uh, I mentioned there that a texter last week, Seamus, when he raised this issue before it ever came out from this uh, report at the weekend, uh, many had mixed views on this. And some were saying, is it not better to have everyone in an estate or a village rather than a one-off house located just outside a town or a village? I mean, you touched on it there. You still want the option to live in one-off uh, housing in rural areas. But still, uh, can you understand why some people are against them when it might be better, as we've seen in other countries, to have people within a major population base, you get better services and there's less cost to the taxpayer. Yeah, of course. I suppose there's there's two points to every or there's two sides to every argument really. And I suppose um one of the things that we're looking at really is the level of vacant houses and farmhouses that are already there in rural Ireland. It doesn't need to be um new builds, um, one-off new builds. There is so many houses and farmhouses already there 
that need to be refurbished, they need to be renovated so that they can be livable. But there's already the facilities there, such as the sewerage systems and all that. And if, if a bit of money was put into them, they would be um, available for pe- people to live in them. Um, and this would be um, a great help in tackling the housing crisis as well, because as we said, there are so many houses. Um, like in our pre-budget submission, we said that there's oh, nearly 42,000 empty homes between one and five kilometre radius from the nearest town or village. So they're still near the town or village to avail of the services that are there. Um, but something like the vacant property refurbishment grant could go a long way to making these houses livable for people um, and help with the housing crisis. Yeah, and they have announced over the last number of months the various grants that are there for for Lake Home. So that is helping somewhat. I know there is different terms and conditions to them, uh, but that should make a difference. Yeah, well, I think the biggest issue with that at the moment is the um, the period of work for completion is only 13 months, mm. um, which obviously is very short given um, the shortage of um, skilled workers in that area. We have, so um, Mocker are calling for an extension of the period of for work completion from 13 to 24 months just to give people um, greater flexibility to get the work done as it can be very difficult um, to get a fully complete within 13 months. Um, as things stand at the moment. And then as we wait to see what the future will hold regarding one-off housing, I mean, uh, as you mentioned, Mokra are looking for an end to this and for someone to come out and say, you know, X, Y, Z, this will happen, this will not happen for one-off housing. I mean, I think it was the junior minister at the time who had responsibility for planning last year, Peter Burke, he was due to make an announcement. So nothing so far on that. So we'll wait and see uh, what will come out on this. But I, I know over the last three years, and Ashley, you'll be aware of this as well, many people have left the cities and have come back back to where they're from, back to rural areas in North Cork or in, in West Cork or in East Cork or wherever they are, uh, because they want to live at home and they can work now with the improvements in broadband. I mean, you have seen this as well. So this will ha- add further pressure to people who may want to build one-off housing, whether they are farming or not. Yeah, definitely. I think COVID really has made um, living in rural Ireland um, a, re- a realistic option for many people who may be working um, in in the city. Um, a lot of people um, are now able to work from home um, and are working, moving back to their rural communities. And I suppose this has brought much needed life back into our rural communities and really regenerated um, our rural communities. So it, 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 it's incredibly important um, that people are able to continue to live and work in rural Ireland so that there is a future for rural Ireland um, going forward. Okay, but overall, you would like one-off housing to continue. But again, with those restrictions you mentioned, you know, older dwellings do them up if they're on the land, and maybe no point building a, a one-off house that doesn't housing estate uh, just uh, around the corner from where you're building. And then people understand why you would build on land where you're farming. But if you're not, it's a different scenario. Before I let you go, Ashling, uh, nitrates reductions for farmers, protests happening outside the Fianna Fáil thinking in Tipperary today. What's your view on all of this? Because the government feel that they have got a good enough. Deal by reducing the nitrates to 220. Most of the European countries are at 170. Uh, what's your view within Mokra on this? Um, yeah, so I think it's an incredibly um, challenging time for farmers at the moment with the news that came out last Wednesday surrounding the nitrates delegation and the Mokra Ag Affairs Committee are working um, with the Minister and with the other farming organisations um, to see what can be done surrounding this at the moment.
Okay, we'll wait and see. And I know the IFA are still protesting today outside the horse and jockey in Tipperary. We hope to speak to someone later or tomorrow on that. For the moment, Ashley, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thanks very much. Take care. That is Ashling O'Keefe there, Munster Vice President of MOCRA, uh, joining us on one-off housing. You heard their stance there with, uh, uh, from MOCRA and what they want done with one-off housing. And a lot of it, what she says, does make sense and does kind of more or less keep in line with what many county development plans right across the country are saying as well. Your views are welcome. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Uh, Heidi says on WhatsApp, we don't need to be told where we can live. If we're told where we can live, or not live, then it's not a democratic country. We need to take this and all these rules and regulations and challenge them. Otherwise, we will lose our rights on so many fronts. It says Heidi on WhatsApp to 0862103103. Not in agreement with everything that was said regarding uh, one-off housing. Your views are welcome. You can call us on 0818103103. And a big reaction last week on the show when it was mentioned there would be a reduction to speed limits right across the country. This is to reduce fatalities. One group, though, who have been campaigning for a number of years and a lot of urban and town centres in Cork have reduced the speed limits to 30 kilometres per hour. We'll speak to the Love 30 group next. Cork today on C103. Speed reductions on our roadways, as we discussed last week, is one measure being considered from the government following a summer of tragic deaths on our roads. The Love 30 campaign welcomes these commitments. And Marate Forsyth, who is the co-founder and committee member of Love 30, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Marate. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. Just first of all, explain about Love 30 and where all this came from initially. Ah, well... Um, we're an alliance of organisations and individuals who support lower speed limits in built-up areas. So that's where we started, looking for 30 kilometres in the centres of our towns and villages and our cities, in residential estates and around our schools and churches and other places where people are milling about. Um, so we've been campaigning for a default 30 kilometre an hour in urban areas for the last few years. So we're delighted to hear that the Minister is going to bring proposals to Cabinet to bring in a default 30 in urban areas and that he wants to reduce the speed limit on the, the bringing in a default limit of 60 kilometres an hour on local roads in rural areas and to bring the 100 kilometres an hour down to 80 on regional roads because we all know that speed is a major contributory factor in road crashes and a huge factor in road deaths. That the speed makes, you know, excessive speed makes it more likely that a crash will happen and then in the event of a crash, it's more likely that people will be killed. Yeah, and I mean, we can see this uh, from various adverts over the years, uh, speed, and if you're hit at a, a various speed, for example, if a person is hit at 60k or 30k, it is a matter of, of life and death. Uh, also, in, within housing estates, as you touched on there, you have a lot of children playing outdoors, you know, if they're running out behind a van and somebody is going 60 to 80k instead of 30k, there is a, a significant difference. It's a huge difference, and I mean, it's not it's not always the driver's fault that the child runs out from, from behind the van. But if the driver is doing 60, um, there's a 90% chance that the child will die. If the driver is only doing 30, there's a 10% chance. And stopping distances, like even without the speed at which the child is hit, your stopping distance of 30 is much is much much shorter than it is at 60. 
So, you know, if the child runs out and you're driving at 60, you have the hope of stopping. Whereas if the child runs out and you're driving at 30, there's a good chance that you'll stop or be nearly stopped by the time you hit the child. So, you know, that's one, one good reason. And what started us off, I suppose, was the whole idea of vulnerable people like children moving around housing estates and moving around in the, in towns and villages. I mean, we all know that, you know, towns and villages have become a bit dead, that um, people are just driving through them and driving through them too fast. And we believe that if you could slow traffic down with a default 30 kilometres in our speed limit, that towns and villages would become nicer places to live. They'd become more sociable. There'd be less, there'd be less noise, less pollution. Children would be more likely to be allowed to go out on their own and older people would be more likely to move around without having to be driven. And you'll be glad to know many towns in Cork have already adopted this and gone to 30k within the town centre that is and a lot of these city suburbs not all but the majority that I can see anyhow also are gone to 30k so local authorities they will increase the rollout of this not only here in Cork but across the country which, which is a good thing yeah. Yeah. yeah No actually Cork has been quite good uh, as you say a number of the towns have 30 kilometres and there's quite a lot in residential estates um, not so much. We would like to see a lot more 30 kilometres outside schools in Cork. We feel that there hasn't been any great attempt to slow traffic down in schools in Cork. And, you know, when the council have been introducing new limits, we have always suggested that they put more focus on schools because yeah. obviously that's the place where children are moving around. Totally. That's the next part of your campaign for the Cork area. So introduce them near the yes. schools as well. And the yeah. RSA, they conducted a driver attitude behaviour study. This was back in 2021. And that showed, and drivers admitted on this survey, that they do go 10k over the speed limit. So if the speed limit's at 30k, majority of drivers within that survey said they would go over 40k. Uh, and this is then uh, going back to driver attitude, our behaviour and the way we think and why people need to slow down. I mean, are you hopeful with more 30k within town and cities and villages and outside of schools that eventually the behaviour will change? Well, we would be hopeful that if the speed limits are reduced. Now, as well as the reducing the speed limits, we think that more enforcement is needed. People need to believe that if they exceed the speed limits that they'll be caught and penalised. So we need much more enforcement. And as well as that, just putting up a sign doesn't always slow down the traffic. Sometimes you need to use a bit of engineering like the semblance of the road narrowing or a chicane or maybe even a dreaded a dreaded, a dreaded um, speed bump um, just to get the message across to people that this is a slower zone. And the other thing is that a lot of people think, oh, I'm, I'm a very good driver. I'm very responsible. I only go 10, miles, 10 kilometres an hour over the speed limit. But think of the example that those people who think are safe drivers are giving to other drivers and this is you know it's by everybody thinking it's okay to speed it's enabling some people to go even faster so if the normal kind of law abiding person does does 40 in a 30 zone well then it's okay for a boy racer to do 60 and that's the behaviour that we need to change we need everybody to drive within the speed limit to drive slowly and, con- and considerately and that will encourage everybody to slow down. And you mentioned there the various enforcements like those speed ramps and, and various yeah. other measures that, that, that uh, regarding signage. A lot of people on text asking, the signage that flashes the speed up, are they more effective? 
Research shows that they are effective, yes, yes. So um, more of those will be a, a big help as well in built-up areas, yeah. More of those will be a big help, yes. And, you know, sometimes they can be expensive enough to install, but you can move them around from place to place. So, so I think we need a variety of measures. We need science fashion to help people slow down. We need, we need enforcement. We need engineering. Um, we need more Gardaí on the beach. I think everybody is saying that nowadays. But the reality is that prior to the recession in 2008, there were 1,300. The Gardaí traffic court had a strength of 1,300. And it's now somewhere between around between six and 700. Yeah, right. the amount of Gardaí who are leaving the force yeah. for one reason or another and then a generational aspect where a lot of those sergeants who we mentioned there and we spoke with on our Garda file on this show have retired. So you have that impact That's, as well. Yeah, you have that impact. You, have, you, you, you certainly have a reduction in numbers and I know that a lot of other groups are calling for increased Garda presence on the streets to, because of violence on the streets and things like that. But certainly we need additional Gardaí enforcing road traffic and people and you know there are other ways of doing it we welcome the, the increase in the go safe and that will increase the number of drivers who are penalized for speeding but i think guard the presence on the street is what makes us all we all slow down when we see the guard the car yeah more enforcement certainly is needed also yeah. those adverts that would have been airing on television uh, over the years on showing the dramatic circumstances if someone is knocked down by a car at speed do we need those shock adverts to return I know where Taoiseach Leo Varadkar has said they need to return and they are still being shown in TV in Australia and on local television in Northern Ireland and in Scotland I think it's no harm to bring it home to people that this is what happens when you see. They are shocking, and I don't think any of us want to see them, but there's no doubt about it that that's what brings it home to people. When they hear from the victims of, of road crashes what happens, uh, you know, when you, hear what, when you hear from relatives the devastation that's caused in their lives by the, by the shocking news. And what's often forgotten is that for every death, there are several people who suffer in serious injuries, and many of them life-changing. And that, you know, a life-changing in, in injury affects you for the rest of your life. So it's not just the people who die, it's the people who are injured as well. So I think, yes, um, anything that brings it home to people, that this is what happens when you speed. Yeah, and we don't always hear about those who were injured, so it's important to raise that that, that point as well. And very finally, Maurice, when we were discussing this earlier this morning in the office and, and discussing the issue of speed and the rate of speed people drive at, it just got us thinking, just before the lockdowns in 2020, January and February, everybody here was on about they're gone mad on the roads, the traffic has gone crazy, the build-up of traffic... And it seems that we haven't learned because once the gates opened and once people got back out again, we're in that same situation now. But it's people rushing. Everybody is rushing from work to home to then collect the kids, drop them off at sporting events or whatever. Is our life just simply gone to rush from A to B? And a lot of that pressure is put on companies and who are making their staff do X, Y, Z. And then you're rushing to get your children who have to go to a various sports event. Is that a lot of the cause of it, the way that our lives have just gone so hectic? Well, that does contribute. But what people should remember is that actually driving at a lower speed has a minimal influence on journey times. And surveys have been done on this. And they show that, I know there was one done in Dublin City, that a 19-minute journey increased to 20 minutes. Even though, you know, the mathematics might say, you know, you lose a lot more. But because of acceleration and stopping times, and even... 
even in, let's say, more rural areas where you would think you were doing steadier speed, that the reduction of 10 or 20 kilometres an hour actually has only has a minimal influence on the time it takes to take the journey. So what we would say to people is, yes, we know you're stressed, we know you're under pressure, but please slow down and think of the awful pressure that will come into your life if you had to crash. That would be our message to everybody. Yeah, true. Uh, Maraid, uh, good to chat to you this morning. Best of luck with the campaign and I'm sure we'll see more of those in and around the schools, hopefully in the Cork area over the next few years. But thanks for joining us this morning. Okay, so thanks very much, John Paul. Take care. That is Maraid Forsyth there uh, joining us from the Love 30 campaign. She's one of the co-founders and a commission member of Love 30. Your views are welcome on 0818 103 103. You can text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Just speaking of the roads, uh, there is two dogs running loose on the North Ring Road just outside the Ballyvalan fire station towards Mayfield. So if you're driving on that busy stretch of road, just take care. Uh, those dogs running in and out of traffic and could cause an accident. So beware if you're on the North Ring on this uh, Wednesday, Tuesday morning even. I'm going ahead in the days, Tuesday morning. On the way on C103's Cork Today Show, we're going to hear about funds being raised for Keynes Kennels. This is an amazing charity. We'll hear more about them later, but there's a lot of people going to take to the bike this weekend and cycle and leave the mizzen on Sunday and head towards Madden. We'll speak with them later in the programme. It's Cork Today until 1JP with you. Bernie taking your calls and comments on 0818103103. You can text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862103103. On the way, we'll hear the great work of Keen's Kennels, what they are about, what they do and why there is a number of people fundraising for them this Sunday, leaving the mizzen. More on that later. And indeed that paramedic who has to commute to the UK to get work that's all ahead but a number of calls and comments on the various issues we were discussing over the last hour or so first of all when it comes to speed and speed on our roads and we spoke to the Love 30 campaign who welcomed the reduction in speed limits but feels more needs to be done and we discussed the impacts that can happen at various speeds on our roads well a lot of people have mixed views on this but everybody in agreement that there should be and needs to be a reduction of speed and something done about speed first of all uh, WhatsApp are from McCroom saying and feels that speed laws will not be honoured in McCroom as we have people racing around day and night. Now, the Gardaí have been told about this and this person feels they're not doing a thing about it. And they gave and told the Gardaí uh, where these people congregate and what the Gardaí came back with is that they wanted the makes and reg numbers of their cars. So this person says in their eyes is that we must put ourselves out there and do the Gardaí's job for them. We, When we watch Crime Line on television, we're told to report information and let the guards do their job. But this is the actual response we got when we reported it. So uh, this WhatsApper is saying if you hear of a death in McCroom due to people racing and driving and speeding, then you won't be surprised as that person in the McCroom area. And Another WhatsApper says and feels and it is important to have speed limits, but they say fix the roads first. We need good roads. We pay enough to use them and think of the young people having to travel them every day. I bet the minister had to drive them each and every day. They would fix them ASAP. And an idea here from someone who says in a small town in Croatia, uh, there are traffic lights with sensors that check speed of oncoming vehicles. And if they are above the limit, the lights turn red. 
red, forcing them to stop a much better idea than some of the other measures and should be considered for built-up areas in Ireland. A good idea from that person uh, regarding what they do in Croatia. And then Elner in Glenville, and I was making the point when I was speaking to Murray Forsyth from the Love 30 campaign where they want to reduce all the speed limits and most of them and a lot of them in Cork are are in towns, villages and urban centres in the city are going down to 30k in in the majority of areas. More will follow. But it's just something that when we were discussing that here this morning, I think everybody across uh, Ireland will remark and, and understand what we mean by everybody is rushing these days. And a lot of this could be to do with, if you go back to the 90s, many people worked and lived nearby. So you might have worked in your local town, you live nearby. So if your child was going to the local school and you had to collect them, it wasn't that much of a journey to pop out, collect them, bring them home. And if you had to go back to work, you went back to work. Yes, there was traffic in the towns at that time too, but still it might have been a 10 and 15 minute journey. Whereas now, for example, a lot of people uh, who have been on to us this morning, they may, for example, live in Kenturk but work in Cork City. They may be from the city living in Kentuck because they could not afford to buy a house in the city. Uh, but because of that, if their child falls ill, if their child leaves school at a certain time and they can't avail of a school a transport system, they then, with their employer, will have measures in place. But they're leaving work, for example, at three o'clock. They're rushing to get back to Kentuck to collect their child uh, from school and then rushing from the school to go home, which could be another 20, 30 minutes away, and then back somewhere else to bring the child to soccer or gym or rugby or whatever type of training or whatever they're involved with, learning music, whatever it is, after hours activities and then back again. And people are constantly rushing. That could be one of the reasons, as Mary has highlighted, people aren't living near where they used to work or near where the child is going to school because of the way things have changed over the years. Uh, And is that why we're all rushing and racing? And because of that, then accidents are happening, even though people wish and want to obey the speed limits, they feel if they do, they won't get to their destination in time as, again, why? We're rushing. Uh, and people, just this morning in the office when we were chatting about that, it was the two months before uh, the whole COVID lockdown thing came in, uh, that we saw the traffic volumes at the highest peak I ever saw them at that stage and we're back to that now again slowly and we're back to people rushing and trying to beat the traffic and because of that as Mary outlines it there also Elner is in Glenville and she says yes I agree about the point you're making speeding parents in rural Ireland are under savage pressure both mentally and physically trying to get children to school due to the lack of school transport and no public services to fall back on so until the Minister for Education sorts this mess out for the people in rural Ireland, there is a lot of unnecessary cars and parents travelling to schools and then to work. So please, can they look at this before someone has a fatal accident? Uh, thank you, Elner in Glenville on text to 0862103103. And then staying with the issue of school transport and buses, we had a texter in early run who said, you know, in the UK they get free transport to school and if you go to college you can get a veil of that as well. And then somebody else has come back uh, who feels that that information was incorrect, that children do not have free buses in school in England and colleges. Uh, if you go to college in the UK, you get a reduction in the bus fare if you hold a student card. And... It it does depend on where you're living. Again, so I'm not too sure if this person, if you are texting from the UK or not. The earlier text is in the UK because it's a UK number. Uh, But when we checked it out officially, 
the rules are very similar to ours. It all depends on where indeed you are living, how far you are from the school and if you can avail of free school transport. So why one person might not be able to get the free school transport, another person can. But the overall system, it is in the UK and it is open to their rules on if you get school transport or not for free. Very similar to our uh, situation here in Ireland. And I'm sure they have the same problems as we have indeed as well. Uh, And then for students over 16, they can also apply, but it goes via the local authority in some areas, it would seem. And I was checking out with Bernie as well, who has relations in the UK. And she was saying the same thing, very like our system but again it goes back to how far away you are from the school or if you're not far from the school she knows relations of her that don't get free school transport but then I checked in with a mate of mine who lives in Yorkshire and he says yes they do get free, free school transport again the rules are there you must comply with the rules but if you do comply with the rules you do get the free school transport and for some then you get your student card yes You do get the reduction if you're over 16 or if you're in college to go on a school bus. But some, not all, but some, it goes via the local authority. It depends again where you are and it depends on your circumstances. So you can get a free school bus for college as well. But it depends on where you were and your circumstances. So for that person texting in, asking where they got information, I think it really goes back to individual circumstances. And that is the case with a lot of things here in this country, too. Uh, you might get one allowance, another person might not get that allowance. So it depends on your uh, where you are, what school you're going to and all of that. But it is there in the UK. Uh, so I suppose it's worth checking out. And like every scheme here in Ireland as well, always worth digging in and checking out to see if you can get more out of those schemes. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Uh, so just clearing that up, just in case people thought we were giving up misinformation. No, it does go back to uh, the, the area and your individual circumstances. Now, on one-off housing and planning issues. Uh, somebody here on WhatsApp says, regarding the planning issues, uh, this person feels it's all who you know, plus the brown envelope, as planning is granted to a lot of people uh, who never honour any of the laws that you need to get it. So if you have the money, you are sorted, like all things in life, See, feels that person on WhatsApp. And then another person who doesn't want their uh, details given out, but their story of going for planning. Uh, they feel the planning at the moment in this country is ridiculous, because over 10 years ago, uh, her then fiance and her applied for planning permission for a one-off dwelling. Now, she's an only child and needed to be close to the farm to assist. So they run the farm with her husband. Buying an existing dwelling was not an option and their planning was refused on what they feel were ridiculous grounds. The house was too visible. It did not adhere to Cork County Council guidelines. They felt it did. And also they were told it was too close to a historical place of interest. It was the regulation distance away according to the Cork County Council guidelines. Now, the obvious result uh, of this was extra costs. Also, they had to do a number of digs uh, to check out the archaeological site that they was questioned about. A pole had to be erected to show the height of the house and then superimposed picture of the proposed house on the site. Not one objection was lodged by neighbours. And I'm pleased to say we got the home we wanted after much trouble and expense. Well, thank you for your sharing your story on WhatsApp and indeed I'm sure you're delighted and everything going well for you there in your home. Uh, but it does show what you have to go through to get a house and one-off housing and you were in, obviously in an area which is rural, which the town or village is not near you. Uh, so even when we were speaking to Mokra, they do feel people in your situation. And I think the majority of our listeners as well have no nothing against those who 
want to build a one-off dwelling if you're assisting on the farm and if you're a good bit away, 5, 10 or 15 minutes away from a village or town. Uh, but glad it all worked out for you. Uh, the, I think the people that we spoke to, we heard from last week on the show and that report that came out then uh, by Pure Fluke at the weekend, while we were discussing it last week, the report that came out telling the government basically that they need to crack down on one-off housing and from even speaking with Mokra and others, they feel that, yes, near a farm, on a farm, if you're away from a town, build it. But if you are building two minutes from a town or there's a housing estate built literally in the field next door where you want to build a one-off housing, yeah, they, that can't go ahead basically. That needs to be looked at. But I think everybody would be for uh, people live, building and, and working on the farm and building a one-off dwelling on a farm if they can do that. Uh, Michael is says, here we go again with the one-off housing. Uh, this is an interesting story. I wasn't aware of this. This is Michael saying that the uh, Lieber factory on the lakes of Killarney that was built Michael claims anyhow without planning permission it did not require it hence it was the cause of the 1963 Planning Act which came into force in 1964 Michael feels this act needs to be scrapped immediately as it is not fit for purpose and he feels they need to stop playing around with this by minister after minister and deal with it says Michael on WhatsApp to 0862103103 there's a number of other calls and texts on various and different issues we'll get back to those across the show but they're welcome to us you can email across the programme Cork today at c103.ie C103 Jobs Jones's Agri are looking for a mechanic fisher for their Bally Desmond premises. You can email them, jonesagri at gmail.com. A full-time assistant core superintendent is wanted for Bandon Golf Club. A minimum of two years of previous turf experience is necessary. Email your CV in a cover letter to inquiries at bandongolfclub.com or post to James Byrne, core superintendent, Bandon Golf Club, Castle Burners in Bandon. You'll find these jobs and more online. Just go to c103. .ie forward slash job Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 Can you talk to me? Cork today on C103 We're all very aware of the shortage of GPs and paramedics along with other health staff in this country so I was interested when I read a piece by Jackie Q in the Southern Star where we have a paramedic living in Skull who was commuting to the UK for work. Well, we said we'd have to track this person down and chat to her. Kerry Queeley joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Kerry. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. First of all, you worked on the front line in the health service in England for a number of years. That's right, yeah, 17 years in total. I still am working front line, but in the UK we use private providers as well um, to, for the shortfall in the NHS um, paramedics. So when did you decide you were going to leave the UK and then move to Cork? Um, it's coming up to nine years now. Um, my father's actually from Derry. My mum had been over to Cork and Kerry sort of many times. Um, and when I came over, I kind of fell in love with it and decided I'd bring up my children here. Children and yourself all moved to Skull. Was it Skull first time you, you landed to when you moved here to Cork? Um, just outside Bantry originally, and then about a year later to Skull. Yeah, myself, the kids, my mum. <laughs> Everybody came. <laughs> we, we all came. <laughs> and obviously you were settling down here and looking for work. So you did, I presume, try to see if you could get work locally here where you were living in, in the Skull area or Bantry initially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd have gone anywhere, to be honest. Cool mm. city, I don't mind commuting. Um, but it's very difficult to get yourself into the HSA. 
And when you were applying for jobs, when you say it's difficult, what were you met with? So um, initially you have to get your qualifications recognised over here from the Pre-Hospital Emergency Care Council. Um, That cost about 600 uh, euros to get that done. Um, I didn't realise paramedics in Ireland are actually slightly different to the ones in the UK. So I should have originally been an advanced paramedic here um, because our scope of practice is more so in the UK. Um, But then I did settle for paramedic status and then it's just, difficult to get in. National Ambulance Service, if they do recruit, they make it very, very hard for people. Um, I've been told several times you won't get on in the first attempt, it will be second or third, um, and then you're not going to get the area you want, you'll be put on a relief rotor, you'll have to travel. Um, it's all quite off-putting, so I opted for what I know best, which was to commute back and forth initially to London on a bank contract, so I could work as and when I wanted. And even though we keep hearing, and we're aware of this ourselves from the calls we get here, Kerry, to the show, uh, we are, have a shortage of GPs and also there's a shortage of paramedics in different areas of not just Cork but across the country. So you would think that the scheme or the way they do things would have changed so we would have enough of our health staff, which we need, in the areas we need them in. I would have thought so. I mean, I have, I've done my training, I've got my certificates. I thought it would have been a case of come for the interview, um, learn our CPGs like the ambulance services, got um, clinical practice guidelines. Obviously, emergency medicine is the same all over the world, but there's going to be slight variances of that and medication. So understandably, you'd have to, I'd have to learn the local kind of protocols and policies, etc. But I did presume that would be a formality, if you like, and then obviously go through the interview process, maybe go out for a ride out or do some shadow shifts with a local crew. Um, but no, it wasn't like that at all. In fact, there's um, another guy from Court City who commutes as well and another guy in the area I work in who's now relocated his whole family over from Mayo um, because he just found it so difficult to get in. I would have thought things practice-wise would have been similar between the UK and Ireland. If you're resuscitating someone, I presume it's the same method you use in Ireland as it would be the UK. It is, exactly. Um in the UK, we can we, we have got sort of more advanced techniques that we do, um, as opposed to being a paramedic here. Like we go IV, um, intraosseous, um, we can do needle crikes, decompress the chest. None of those skills I'd be able to use here as a paramedic. Um, but like I say, one of my colleagues, actually, I was speaking to him um, yesterday. Um, he'd done his degree in Limerick. He now works in the UK. He came back over to do a top-up on his degree. He's, he's extremely intelligent. He's a, a very academic paramedic. He came back, did his top-up degree in Limerick last year. He was told by somebody quite high up in the HSE and the ambulance service here, don't think you'll come in here with your advanced paramedic status. We're going to 100% demote you. You're going to be a paramedic and don't think you're going to get the area you want. You'll, you'll be put on a relief rotor. He said, he'll never forget the speech. And that was the guy who I said is relocated now from Mayo over to Essex with his family. He said, even if I could get a job there, he said, just based on that alone, I wouldn't. Yes, there are very areas where they're crying out for uh, health professionals to move to those more rural areas. So tell me about your commute from Skull to the UK. First of all, you have to drive from Skull to Cork Airport. Yeah, I'd rather drive in and leave in the car in the car park or, or my wife, um, she, she's a healthcare worker here in Bantry, she drives me um, to save money on the, on the airports because obviously I'm paying rent here and I'm paying rent over in the UK as well. Um, so it's quite costly, but I leave at generally quarter to three on a Thursday morning, I get the first flight out to Stansted at quarter past six, 
I then get an eight o'clock bus from Stansted to Chelmsford, which is where my base station is. Um, I get in for like quarter to nine there, start a 12-hour shift, um, return on the first flight home Monday morning on the 8.40 from uh, Stansted to Cork and then drive all the way back. <laughs> Some commute. So are you leaving, uh, you're working so basically on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday shift, is it? Um, I work on the Thursday that I leave and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday and then come home on the Monday. So more often than not, I'm there more than I am here. Yeah, so four day a week really, is it? Yeah. In the UK, the service you're working with, is it under the NHS or is it under a, a private service? It's a private service who have the contract for East of England ambulance service. So like I say, over there, they utilise private ambulances. Um, a lot of people do that because the money's slightly better. You've got a better work-life balance. Um, you don't have to sort of work weekends if you don't want to. That's, that's just what works for me. But um, yeah, over here, they don't use the private services at all. I've got life. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Flying here medical um all with really well trained staff not being utilized by the National Ambulance Service. It seems like it's a very closed boys club to get into. And if we did use those private services, would we have better turnaround times for our ambulance service who we keep hearing are tied up within our emergency departments until a patient is admitted and then by the time they leave to go elsewhere, you know, you could have somebody waiting an hour or even two hours in some areas for an ambulance. Oh, 100%. I mean, I've been up to Lifeline. They've got really well kitted out ambulances. They've obviously got to meet um, sort of set standards, as as do their staff. 
um, yeah, they're, they're just being utilised to do hospital transfers. They're not responding to 999 calls at all. And when you and others who commute from Ireland to work, where you were working in the, the eastern side of England and, and the London area and others in, in various parts, I'm sure, are you not all just sitting down kind of saying this is very bizarre when there is a need for this in Ireland, but yet it's like they're not letting it happen? Oh, I was talking to my colleague, Kieran, who commutes from Blackrock in Cork, and he's absolutely fuming with the service as well over here. Uh, he sat the exam, he failed it by 1%, and then they felt he discovered that was the wrong paper that they'd given him. Um, when he did get interviewed, he said it was the most awkward interview he ever faced, and the uh, questions are not reflective of the job. They're very much kind of HR-structured questions. Um, and like, he kind of gave up on the whole process after all. I was hoping things change in the future, but it's not looking like it at the moment. And you wonder then why we can't get staff to work in our health service when you hear stories like that. Uh, I mean, for for you now, you're going to continue with this commute. I am. I've just gone self-employed literally in the last week because it is taking its toll. I've got two teenage boys here who quite like having me home. So all that means I still have to do the commute, but I'm not going to be doing it on a weekly basis. I'm going to try and pick up some, I'm doing some care work over here. Um, I actually applied to the local pub to see if I could get some shifts here just to keep me at home a little bit more until something changes. And then just go over to maybe once a fortnight to do um, my clinical shifts. But you'd be working in a pub here in Cork while you could be out working with the paramedics or, or the health service. Yeah, I even saw in Jackie's uh, original article in the Southern Star that they had no night cover at all in Skibbereen or mm. Castletown Bear. Um, uh, Castletown Bear is probably about an hour and 45 minutes commute for me, but I'd, I'd gladly go over there and work. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there is a huge issue uh, when it comes to the nighttime services right across our county, our city and indeed f- further beyond. And then, as you mentioned, you, you're going self-employed. I mean, is that because it, it takes its toll back and forth, as you mentioned, but you must have been wrecked all along. Or, or is it the driving from Skull to the Cork Airport, that, is that the worst part of the journey when you were commuting or when you do commute? It is, yeah, because obviously it still feels like the middle of the night, but um, I've got a very tolerant wife who also jumps up in the morning. She, she's a, a home help for the HSC in Bantry. She, she'll take me there some mornings just so I don't have to have the additional drive before a 12-hour 12, 12 shift. Well, it is some story to think that we have people who are qualified to work in our health service and they're travelling and commuting from Skull to Stansted Airport in the UK so they can work there. I mean, you know, with all the talk we have about getting staff in and with the examples you've given there, you can see why we're in the situation we are in. Uh, best of luck to you, Kerry, with, well, with your employment status. First of all, hopefully things will change here and that you can work uh, within our health service. But best of luck with the commute and best of luck with the bar work as well. <laughs> appreciate it thank you take care thanks for joining us this morning bye that is Kelly Queeley there joining us regarding her story of a paramedic who can't get work as a paramedic in Ireland and is now commuting from Skull to the UK your views are welcome 0818103103 you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 on a similar story not a paramedic but Anthony uh, works in childcare he has sent us this voice note Hi JP, well done to that girl for travelling from Skull to go to work in the UK. I remember in 2012 I lived in Skull for six months and I had to travel from Limerick to get a special needs assistant job and I'm just finishing in childcare now this week is my last week in childcare and I just feel the jobs in this area, the special needs is very hard to get and it's a pity someone that's qualified as a special needs assistant that you can't get a job like in a primary school and you keep applying and applying and um, 10 years of great experience but look 
onwards and upwards and new adventures looking forward to exciting things and yes i would go back to skull again it was a great experience but fair play to me coming from limerick city all the way down to skull where i know no one and i think it was a great achievement and i think it's a great thing to do move somewhere you know and get away from your own comfort zone and it gives you confidence and it inspires you as well Thank you, Anthony. Uh, voice note to 0862103103. Your views are welcome. And back to the one-off housing. Bill is in Clonakilty. He's making uh, a good point as well that others have. He says, if when you look and you drive around and you see the amount of one-off houses we have, the one thing is they all have their own water and they all have their own sewers system. So, really, they are putting no strain on the public utilities. You can email us, Cork Today, at c103.ie. On the way next, we'll hear all about the work of Keynes Kennel. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. When you talk to me. Cork today on C103. Volunteers are gearing up to cycle the length of Ireland to raise funds for the national charity Keynes Kennels. They will depart the mizzen on this coming Sunday before finishing up in Malin Hedge. And Declan Kinney joins me about this fundraiser. Good morning to you, Declan. Good morning, JP. Thanks very much for having me. And thanks for joining us. Uh, just first of all, talk to us about Keynes Kindles and the service that they provide. Absolutely, JP. Uh, Keynes Kindles is a, a unique charity in Ireland, if, if not the world. It was founded in March 2020, JP, in memory of Keen Neary. Keen was a young Longford lad of 15 who passed away. Uh, after a long battle with cancer. And during his illness, uh, and when he was in Crumlin Children's Hospital in Dublin, his parents, Evelyn and Enda, brought his dog, Cooper. He had a, a lovely Labrador um, dog called Cooper. And Evelyn and Enda, his parents, used to bring Cooper up to visit him in Crumlin, in the Children's Hospital. And these visits became a real highlight. He was there for several months, and these visits became a highlight um, for, and brought many happy memories to the family. He was able to come out and play with the dog, walk the dog, and then, you know, it just was a great relief for the family and a distraction and just something really beautiful for them to be able to do. Um, but unfortunately, um, Kean passed away on the 23rd of September 2019. And in, in his memory, Evelyn and Enda, his parents, they set about putting in place a facility to help other families bring their uh, pets, mainly dogs, to see their owners in the hospital in Dublin. And so it was set up since uh, formally in, in, in 2020. And ever since then, it's been bringing a huge amount, amount of joy to different uh, families who were able to bring their dog uh, to visit uh, a sick boy or girl in Crumlin, in Children's Hospital in Dublin. Like, the way it works, JP, is essentially if there was a sick boy or girl in, in Cork who was in a long stay hospital uh, um, for treatment in Dublin and they wanted to see their dog, what happens is they just have to let Keyens Kennels know about that. And then what we do is we organise all the transportation of the dog to Dublin. Uh, we have a facility at the Children's Hospital where the dog can visit their owner on the grounds of the, the hospital. And then we can, we've arranged to kennel the dogs overnight. So you could see your dog today and then see them again tomorrow for a couple of days in a row. Uh, and then we bring the dog back home. And all of that is done on a voluntary basis by Keyens Kennels. And um, it just makes such a, we've about 40 volunteers with a few vans and, and different parts of the country, but it makes such a huge difference to families. And, uh, you know, when they can see their dog, it's family time, it's, it's joy, it's laughter, 
which is always happening at a time of great worry for families. So it makes a huge difference. And um, it's been in existence, as I say, since 2020, about 40 plus volunteers. And um, that's the work we do. And of course, we're, we need to raise money to be able to, to keep our services going. And that's why we're, we're, we're running a cycle from Mizzen to Mallon starting, starting next Sunday. And pets can be a real positive in anyone's life, but more so they are part of the family. So if the entire family more or less is in the hospital in Dublin, you know, they they want to see the pet, especially the child who's sick. Uh, It it will take away what they're feeling. It will take away, even though they know they're in the hospital for that split few minutes, they'll forget maybe where they are and spend time, as you say, and and laugh with the dog or cat or whatever the pet may be. I mean, uh, we have heard stories over the years where children in the hospital have become friends with each other and indeed each other's pets. I mean, there's some amazing stories that have come out of this, but have have ended in a sad way, but have been positive before that. Yeah, absolutely. And the joy that a pet can bring is it's like a shared experience uh, where families are, are you, know, you know, the way if, if you're walking in the park or something, it, a dog can be a great conversation opener or any kind of pet in terms of people stopping and chatting and then friendships get built from there. You know, um, uh, and one such friendship actually uh, w- w- was was uh, founded in Crumlin when um, a, a young, a lovely young cork lady, Kleena Barrett-Murphy, became friends with Kean in the uh, Children's Hospital in Crumlin. And um, unfortunately, uh, uh, Kleena lost her battle with uh, cancer and um, passed away far too young. And um, she died at the age of uh, 15, or 15 years of age. And um, sorry, 16 years of age. A lovely court girl. The two families became friends at the time. And uh, one of the things that's really... Th- th- these friendships that are forged at these difficult times last a lifetime because uh, parents and, and they, they know what each other has gone through. And, um, and one of the things about our cycle that we're doing is each day is in memory of a different loved one that has been lost too soon. And um, on Sunday morning, um, Kleena's parents and Neve and Barry will be leading the cycle out from Mizzenhead in her memory. And a lot of their friends and family are participating in the cycle with us as well. Uh, so it's a kind of a, it's, it's a very important fundraiser for Keen's Kennels, but it's also an opportunity for people to get together and, and remember the loved ones that have passed away as a result of becoming friends in Crumlin and around the time of Keen's Kennels was founded, you know. Indeed, and they can talk to each other and find solace in each other as well. Sad it is, but still, uh, they know that both Keen and Kleena were friends of theirs over the years and were friends when they were in a hospital. So that it, again, it shows what a pet can do in a, a particular time of need. And tell yeah. us then about the cycle. You'll have the families there on the day, as you mentioned. You'll be dedicating it to the various people. Uh, from the Mizzenhead, what time are you going to be leaving the Mizzenhead on a Sunday morning? Sunday morning, hopefully a bright and sunny Sunday morning, uh, JP. We'll be leaving Mizzen at nine o'clock uh, and we're cycling out from there uh, along the way to, to we, we go to Killarney on uh on Sunday and then for the that that, that day is a memory of Kleena as I said and um on day two then we're cycling from um uh, Killarney to Limerick and then Limerick to Adlone on day uh, three and then on day four Adlone to Longford uh, 
sorry, at Lone to Longford and on to Sligo, and then on up to um, Malinhead at the end of the week. So we're being joined by friends, family, uh, relatives, neighbours. Um, what we want to get out of the cycle is that people will remember their loved ones uh, and celebrate their lives with us on each of the different days, you know, because I think that's really important thing to do. I, I we 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 did the cycle before in 2020 from the other way around actually we started in Malin and cycled to Mizzen and one of the things that I really felt people got out of was that it was great for people to be able to celebrate the lives of the loved ones that were lost that cycle was done in, in memory of brother and sister Donal and Dervla Considine who passed away way too soon and what we found is the things that people got out of the cycle um, it, it was really um, seismic in terms of being able to talk to each each other, celebrate the lives of the loved ones that are lost in a way that brought a lot of joy of thinking about the memories of, of, of their lives and things that had happened along the way, you know. So I think it's it's a great fundraiser, but it also it's cathartic for people to be able to remember and celebrate the lives of the loved ones that have, uh, they've loved and lost, you know. Indeed, and can people donate along the route to yourselves? Will you be out with buckets or is donations solely online? Um, we have different ways of donating. I, I guess what I would suggest for people in the Cork area, there's two options I would recommend. One is um, Barry and Neve have a website called cleana.ie and you can go onto that website and uh, cleana, uh, uh, you can denote via, via Cleana's website. Uh, Barry, or, Barry and Neve are cycling with us for the week. So uh, it, it's a huge commitment from them. So you can go into cleana.ie and donate through that on their iDonate page or else you can go to keelskennels.ie and donate there on the iDonate page. So there's there's a couple of options there. Uh, and we will have buckets and, and are, uh, be collecting along the way. But if anyone wants to donate online is probably the handiest for, for, for your listeners. And it's just a fantastic service that, that, that is provided with Keen's Kennels. I mean, if someone wants to get involved, for example, if the unfortunate thing happens where you are ending up in hospital in Dublin and the family wish mm-hmm. the pet to come out, I mean, how, how do they go about this? Do they uh, inform the hospital and do they th- take it from there? How does that work? Couldn't be simpler, JP. They just send an email to info at keenskennels.ie and we take it from there completely. We kick into gear. Our volunteers are all well trained. Uh, we know exactly what to do, and we take care of everything. And and like one of the things that families are they're saying to us is there's probably two things. One is that it's a window of normality in an otherwise completely not normal time, and it gives them that uh, focus to be able to to have a, a smile and a laugh. And our mission is to bring pets closer to sick children and their families. So we've had examples where with very small babies who are sick in hospital, we've brought um, the dog up and the parents are being able to go for a walk with their dog out in the, the Wicklow Mountains or places like that. And what they've said afterwards is that it was the only bit of normality they had in their week because you'd be out in the countryside walking your dog. It just felt so normal. So it really is something that you know we, we we believe in and the science is starting to back it up there's a body of evidence beginning to emerge that talk that that explains the fact that in the company of your own dog recuperation can happen sooner the 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 the, the uh the, the, the way you get better and the way you, your well-being is impacted by being the company of your own pet m- makes a big difference you know so uh it's 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 
good all around and we want to continue to grow our service and hopefully someday we'll be able to provide the service in Cork. We're always working, we're always looking for new volunteers and we're always looking for ways that we can provide the service in other parts of the country. So uh, uh, hopefully someday we'll be providing the service in Cork as well as Dublin and other places. Yeah, and I guess how it would be a positive effect because I think anybody who's been through illness, if you do remain positive and this is one of the ways you can do that, you can see and, and, and reflect and even though somebody might be terminally ill, it will still enhance their quality of life or for others it might actually get them to get you know a look at life on a different outset uh, depending on their illness it certainly brings a positive aspect and it's a huge campaign that uh, is well worth to be funded by um, as you say you, if you do wish to go move to Cork is that something you're working on or is it just something you're thinking of of developing it to Cork? Well, what we're looking at at the moment is we, we, we've established our facility in Dublin. Mm. Uh, we're looking at the, uh, moving into the new children's hospital. And then in our strategic development over the coming years, we want to move to Cork, possibly Sligo and Galway. Uh, it's early days yet, JP. We're, we're, we're still in our early years as a charity compared to other established charities in the country. But we've done an awful lot of work um, in those couple of years the main thing we need to do is establish and we have established ourselves at the old children's hospital we want to get ourselves into into the new children's hospital we're working that's our primary goal at the moment but also follow closely on that is to get into other hospitals around the country so it's kind of watch this space we we, we, we hopefully be in Cork uh, soon well I'd like to say sooner rather than later but we will be there if we can at all someday in, in, in the not too distant future hopefully Well again it's a great service to those who remain in hospital will you be uh, getting on the bike yourself Declan on Sunday morning I will hopefully yes and uh, all going well it's uh, um, a lovely way like I, I'm taking a kind of a week out of work and um, you know when I was a young fella if somebody said to you you know we're going to uh, feed you and we're going to put you up at night and what you have to do every day is ride your bike I'd say that's not a bad way to spend a week so I'm looking forward to it you know <laughs> Very true very true well Declan the very best of luck to you and indeed all the team there uh, leaving the mizzen on Sunday morning early and again our congrats to everybody within Keen's Kennels for the work you do and the happen and positivity you bring to those who remain in the Children's Hospital in Dublin for the moment uh, best of luck hopefully the sun does shine on uh, Sunday morning and enjoy the cycle anyhow enjoy the, the route to Head. JP lovely, lovely to talk to you and thanks very much for your likewise. time likewise take care Declan Kinney there joining us ahead of that fundraiser as I mentioned leaving the mizzen on Sunday morning and all going which I think is a fantastic charity Keen's Kennels Bernie standing by taking your comments right now 108 103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 on the way our regular counsellor on the show every Tuesday he joins us Joe Heffernan will be along after 12.30 you'll be aware last Sunday was World Suicide Prevention Day and Joe will talk about awareness and suicide prevention warning signs that are more on the way along with your calls and comments and we were speaking uh, regarding speeding earlier on the show and this is following our conversation last week we had a lot of calls and comments on road safety and again this week uh, because reduction of speed limits are due to come our way uh, by the government the Love 30 group who we spoke with Maureen Forsyth who was one of the co-founders of this group who are campaigning and the majority in Cork are in urban areas and town centres 
sectors and villages that you have seen the reduction I'm sure in many of the towns and urban areas of Cork City the speed limit going from 50k to 30k they continue for this to happen campaign wise and they want this as well outside of the school gates so it led to a further conversation on speeding and what needs to be done and John is making a point on this on text John says JP lowering speed limits is a good idea but without enforcement nothing will change why can't speed cameras with automatic number plate recognition capability be installed in high speed areas as in the UK the Guard E can download speeding motorists where speed date and time are recorded so the offender then gets a letter in the post with a fine and penalty points says John and that's the the fixed cameras aren't they in many places across the UK so why can we not have something like that and that system in place in Ireland because even as a Maraid was saying yesterday or earlier on this morning even from Love 30 we do need more enforcement on our roads to deal with the issue and then someone else who was texting in uh, from the Lacanrue to Nograha area. It's a road which runs past the Glonthorn United Soccer Club. And this person says the speed on this road is unbelievable. It's a disgrace. We got onto our local councillor to enter this road in a speed limit review. And this person claims then the local guardie objected to this review because they said there were not enough incidents on the road to warrant changing the speed limit to a slower one. Now, I don't know, didn't think the guardie were involved that much in speed reviews, but maybe it went to one of the guardie quarters of the road division and they came back with their viewing of this. And maybe that's where it came from Uh, but this person says does someone need to get hurt before they review our speed limit Uh, this is from someone living on that road from Lacanrue to Nakuraha and that would be a busy area because you have a lot of people I would presume in that area as I mentioned if it's running near Glonthorn's soccer pitch uh, it's near enough then to Little Island and the industrial centre that is Little Island and the business parks and everything. So that area is quite busy. You have the works at Kettle. Is it that people are using those roads then as a shortcut to get to other areas? For example, maybe Watergrass Hill and upper areas of Glanmire. And is the road getting busier because of that? Uh, but as you say, road was never made for that. So the speed does need to be looked at, I would presume. Uh, maybe it's something you need to raise again with the local councillors. Local elections are next year. They'll all be uh, looking to speak to various people now over the next six to ten months. So get your speak in, I would say, again, if you want that road to, to be looked at and the speed limit to be reviewed. Uh, and it is something that really annoys people when they know a road should be a certain speed limit, but the wrong speed limit is on it. Thank you for your text to 0862103103. The farmers who are protesting again today, it's day two of the Fianna Fáil thinking, which is happening at the Horse and Jockey in Tipperary in the heart of the Golden Vale is what it's been described as this morning and Mossy says it's outrageous to think that farmers have to protest for their livelihood in desperate circumstances. It's also not very fair. The Irish farmers provide top quality food in all circumstances and indeed in all weather. Uh, Mossy's asking is someone trying to kill the golden goose in life? When it's gone, it's gone and we need to look after our farming producing community, producing our food from agriculture and more uh, says Mossy on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and as I mentioned the Fianna Fáil thinking there, Jur is in Middleton he's been listening and watching what has been said from the Fianna Fáil thinking over the last day or so and Jur feels that when he heard Michal Martin speak uh, the Tonishan, of course, leader of Fianna Fáil, Ger uh, feels that he's more talking and maybe more obsessed about the threat from Sinn Féin than telling us 
and then telling us not to vote for Sinn Féin. Would it be better off for Fianna Fáil in this thinking to start talking about building houses and improve our hospitals and stop talking about Sinn Féin? Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have a lot of work to do. They have a lot more work to do themselves over the next while. Young people are leaving Ireland as they can't get anywhere to live. They are looking for better prospects elsewhere. And then we have other issues across our country. But our Tish, our Tanisha, uh, Michal Martin, is now speaking about Sinn Féin and the thinking for Fianna Fáil. Please concentrate on the issues on hand, uh, says Ger in Middleton. And you know you are raising a good point there. There is a lot of people again who are leaving, and every day or every month at least, anyhow, I hear of somebody I know or somebody's brother or sister or whoever. Uh, is leaving and we're gone back to Australia and that's where many of the Irish are going to again. It was Canada for a while. It seems to be Oz again many are heading off to. I know friends of mine have headed off in the last uh, 10 months or so. Uh, left life in Cork and other parts of Ireland to go to Australia. Why? Yeah, it's right. Housing. That's the big thing. People are looking here and looking around, seeing the cost of housing and realise they'll never be able to afford their own home or afford the type of home they want in the area they want. Uh, so many are opting if they can, depending on their profession. Uh, some professions in Australia they are looking for uh, or they know they'll get work in and they're going there and they're doing their time working in the regions in Australia. And then the, what happens in Oz is when you go there, if you want to, I suppose, become a resident eventually, but also get a sponsor for work so you can get a work permit to work there for more than a year. Many people will initially go to the cities, get work and hopefully then uh, while they get settled in, if you go and work in the region, so you go and work what many will call the outback in the smaller villages and towns way outside the cities, you do so many months work there, you get back then to the city again and eventually you, if you work long enough, you would hope your employer or somebody may offer you a sponsorship to remain in Australia. That is what is happening again. Happened about 10 years ago and it's back again and it's all to do with accommodation, unfortunately. So you're right there, Ger, about that. And also it's it's making the front page of the Irish Examiner this morning. I have it here in front of me. Uh, it says basically stop cheerleading Sinn Féin. Uh, Michal Martin blasts the opposition party and faces down uh, protesters at the Fianna Fáil thinking. So is Ger right? Is it time to stop looking at other parties and concentrate on running the country? And if people uh, want to vote or look at other parties, let them but let Fianna Fáil uh, concentrate on the job in hand. Ger's view to 0818103103 and John was in touch and people's views are welcome on this. He was watching the frontline programme on RT last night and this uh, about Michael O'Leary was uh, mentioned or, or brought up in it and of course you'd be very aware of uh, climate activists who threw a pie in, uh, in Michael O'Leary's face last week when he was uh, making a point and a statement outside I think it was the European Parliament in Brussels and these campaigners for in the environment came along and he took it all well he actually started licking the pie off his face and saying he loves cream and loves that type of pie uh, there was no animosity or no fighting between between him and the environmentalists, they went off smiling. He was laughing. He continued on his press conference. He told the journalists, I'm not talking about that. I'm here to point out the various reasons he was there outside the parliament. Uh, but John is making the point that while that happened, uh, a lady in the audience last night of the Frontline television show totally endorsed the action. But John says if this continues, it sets a dangerous precedent. No one should be physically assaulted when they are just going about their business. He was there to make a statement uh, to the European Commission. He was doing what he was doing. They should not have 
gone along and thrown a pie in his face. Protests if they want to, but John is making the point, are we going too far? Now, throwing uh, pies and eggs and everything has happened over the years. If you ever watch a reeling in the years, you would have seen uh, politicians here in Ireland who, who were egged or had a pie or a cake thrown at them over the years, similar in other countries. So it's always happening, but John feels people should not be attacked uh, if they are going about their own business. Your views are welcome on that. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103-CATH. And when we were speaking with Declan ahead of the cycle from the Mizzen to Mallon for Keen's Kennels, and that will go ahead from Sunday. Uh, she says, I hope they get a lot of support on the way. They are just a wonderful charity. Indeed, they are. And we spoke with Declan just before midday. And thank you, Kath, for your WhatsApp. And back again to the issue of the Fianna Fáil thinking. Michael is in Castletown Bear. Uh, he is saying that nobody in their right mind would think or accept that Fianna Fáil are destroying themselves with the extremely deadly baggage that Sinn Féin carry if they decide to go to government with them I suppose you're still talking about Michael uh, Michael said he will not always agree with Michal Martin but in this instance he does will Fianna Fáil be trying to defend themselves every day that they would be backing them up uh, this would just be another media dream looking for a headline says Michael so he's against uh, what again raised the issue of maybe Fianna Fáil agreeing to government in a future government coalition with Sinn Féin but also uh, the issue of Fianna Fáil talking about Sinn Féin of which many people say they need to get on with their own jobs and maybe deal with what's happening around them regarding the farming community who are protesting right outside them at the moment at the horse and jockey in Tipperary we will we are hoping to speak to those farmers and if we don't get to them today which I don't think we will at this stage. We will speak to them uh, tomorrow on the show on why indeed the protests continue. Now, earlier we spoke with uh, Kerry and Kerry is a paramedic who moved from the UK to Ireland uh, and she was hoping to get a job here as a paramedic. Unfortunately, no, she cannot, even though we're crying out for every kind of health worker, she can't get a job. Uh, so uh, Kerry now commutes from Skull to the UK and works as a paramedic in England. And we've got a number of calls and emails from people who do similar. You thought maybe Kerry was a once-off. No, there's a lot more people in Cork who are commuting to work in London, in Manchester, in Cardiff, in Birmingham and other areas who have been in contact with us since we spoke to Kerry who do the exact same thing. And here is one person, don't want uh, details given out so we won't, but here's the email we received in the last 30 minutes from this person who says, I'm originally from Ireland and I went to the UK to train and work as a paramedic. Now, it was very difficult at the time to get my advanced paramedic licence with PHECC, and that is the Pre-Hospital Emergency Care Council. But I did eventually get it. I love my job. I love working on the front line for the NHS. And I was good at my job. And due to the location I worked in, I had a lot of exposure and experience. Due to family reasons, though, I had to move back to Ireland at the start of last year. I was unsuccessful with the NAS recruitment process twice. And the NAS, I presume, was the National Ambulance Service. And even with my licence I had, my advanced paramedic licence, I would still lose my skills if I started working with the National Ambulance Service and be working as a paramedic initially. Now, I do volunteer in my local area. I cannot practice to my clinical level. I have recently gotten a bank contract with a private ambulance service to work frontline in the UK and will also now be commuting over and back to the UK from Cork to keep my skills set up. I had nearly the exact same experience as that lady speaking on the radio 
with the National Ambulance Service. In the UK, paramedics are in GP surgeries, in hospices and within the community. It's just such a shame to see the lack of utilisation of qualified paramedics here in Ireland. There is also so many Irish paramedics in the UK that are not able to move home due to this. Uh, says a person who is now working as a paramedic and commuting as well, uh, like Kerry is from Cork to England to work. And there's so many more have been on to us. Uh, and when we thought maybe it was an isolated incident, as you can hear from that email, and the other stories are very like uh, Kerry's story and that uh, email are there. Uh, which unfortunately are, had work here in Ireland and they're heading off to the UK to work as a paramedic, even though we are crying out for health staff and paramedics here in this country. Uh, and with the cutbacks we see and with ambulance waiting time, surely more is better than less. Anyhow, your views are welcome. You can email like that person did, Cork Today at c103.ie. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. The screw-up season begins again in Ballincollig Rugby Club. That's in Tanner Park and it goes ahead and starts this evening at 8.30. The Pike Theatre Group will be there tonight to go along and enjoy a song, music and maybe a dance or two at the screw-up at Ballincollig Rugby Club at Tanner Park. And bingo goes ahead at Shambhalimore Community Centre. That's on this evening at 8 o'clock. The jackpot is €2,450. And we spoke to Linda Dean last week on the show about the newly restored bells at St Mary's Church of Ireland in Donnerill and they are going to be rung for the first time at 7.30pm tomorrow evening so if you're in the area go out if you can hear from your home stand outside and hear the beautiful bells of St Mary's that'll ring again across Donnerill and beyond tomorrow at 7.30 and of course they are running a raffle there lines are still available and prize winners will be announced on the night tomorrow night they'll also have complimentary tea and coffee for everybody who also wants to go along to the church and be there for the bell ringing that's tomorrow in the Donnerill and Clonakilty Community Care they will reopen their Thursday night club that's on this coming Thursday from 7.30 to 10 o'clock bingo tea music and dancing a great night out and you can go and make new friends this Thursday evening in Clonakilty and McCroom Flower and Garden Club will host a floral demonstration it's by Anne Hester it's entitled Welcome Autumn and that's going ahead this Thursday evening at 8 o'clock in Cool Cower House in McCroom. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Cork today on C103. And we were mentioning earlier regarding Michael O'Leary and the fact that, that someone threw a pie in his face. Somebody is saying that maybe he set it up himself. I'm not too sure if he did, but it was good publicity nonetheless. And then because it was John that raised this on the common line and he mentioned that it was uh, raised last night on the programme Frontline on RTE. Uh, somebody has texted in with capital letters saying Katie Hannon presents Upfront, not the Frontline. So it's Upfront is the name of that show. They changed the name, didn't they? It's a pity a lot of those shows air so late in the evening. Uh, you think nine 30 would be a good enough time. A lot of people miss them. They, they get aired at, uh, is it 10.35 or quarter 11? Uh, that goes to air at, which is a bit late if you're a commuter and up early in the morning, but I suppose they, you can always watch it on the player. Uh, but thank you for your text to 0862103103. John, when we mentioned the issue of farmers protesting outside the Fianna Fáil thinking in uh, the horse and jockey today in tip, uh, John says farmers are at it again for the 
And will they ever just stop whinging, says John. There is something new every month. They will be getting the grants. Uh, they Well, John feels they pay little tax. The poor mouth does it ever stop. Uh, that's John's feeling. The text on 0862103103. And when Jur was on earlier and he was just mentioning about the uh, news of the Fianna Fáil thinking and that they were speaking about Sinn Féin too much and the need to concentrate on their own issues and the issues of housing and why there's so many people leaving the country because they simply can't afford a house here and they're looking to the future and realise they may never own the home they want or even own a home anyhow. And I just gave a mention of people I know that are travelling to Australia and that seems to be the news that destination again, it was Canada. People now are going back to Australia like they were in their droves about 10 years or more or so ago. Uh, and somebody here texting in, and you're right on what you're saying on WhatsApp. Uh, you say, do all these people going to Australia realise how expensive the cost of living is? Food and accommodation is so high in Australia. My brother is there many years in a very good job and he simply cannot afford to live in Brisbane anymore and now he is considering moving again to Tasmania. So life isn't all rosy in Australia either, says this person on WhatsApp. And yeah, and it's not. And I know friends of mine who were in Sydney and have moved from Sydney uh, to Brisbane because the cost of living in Sydney and renting a house is just so, so expensive. And now they're in Brisbane, like your brother, they're now moving on again elsewhere. Some are going further up to North Queensland, some are looking at Perth and even Darwin, which wouldn't have been a huge destination for Irish to go to. Uh, but it, it is now uh, with the cost of living. So you are right, Sydney and indeed Melbourne, very expensive from Brisbane creeping up as well as people moved uh, over the last five years, you can nearly say at this stage, from Sydney to Brisbane. So yeah, life isn't great either. It really depends on how lucky you are. But I do know on people who are, on, who are paying massive rent over there. So if you were going there, yeah, don't think it's all fantastic. It's tough and you work tough and you work long hours. I have a friend who's working 12-hour shifts at the moment, uh, five days a week, and he also works on a Saturday. So... Uh, you know, you you will work. It's not all happy, happy. But then for them, they feel that at some stage they may be able to get a house outside uh, the major cities uh, and maybe better quality of life. It depends, I suppose, and everybody is different. But yeah, you are you are totally right in what you're saying. Not all rosy in Oz. And then Kath is making um, an inquiry. This is regarding traffic lights in the town of McCroom. And Kath, I presume you were talking about the traffic lights that are, are on the more or less main street below the square near Super Value. I, I do presume that's what you're talking about. Uh, she says, and you are, you were on some time ago and we did get that checked out and they said the traffic lights were uh, fixed again and she feels Kat does that the traffic lights are again out of timing when the lights for the red so when the lights go red the green man is showing so people cross the road but the green man is still showing for pedestrians to cross even though the amber light is still showing for nine seconds later traffic takes off on the amber light says Kath and you mean Kath that the amber light is flashing because most of those crossings yes the green light will go to red the traffic will stop then the green man will come on and everybody will cross but sometimes when the green man starts flashing the amber light starts flashing as well and I always thought that was if there was no one crossing you still check the crossing if there was no one crossing the pedestrian crossing that you drive on um, because the amber light is flashing and there's no one there and it was I suppose maybe late at night for for motorists that they could drive in particular before the bypass was in McCroom and if that's the case that's the way it is in the majority of areas it does flash amber when the green light is flashing as well Uh, but if you're saying they're out of sync are you saying that their green man is on when people are driving through the amber as, it, as it's turning red. Uh, but if it is flashing, it's, it seems to be the done thing. Is that wrong? Is that right? Let us know. You can call us 0818 103 103. And then can we help Kay out by email to Cork Today at c103.ie. Kay is asking, 
She's renting a house at the moment, but there is council land right beside her. And there is a tree on this land that's brushing off her property. Now, she's got onto the council. Uh, They've done nothing as yet to trim back this tree. Uh, She also has a tree going into her back garden. Uh, Again, she's raised it to them, but the tree in her back garden and the tree touching her property uh, aren't being dealt with, but it is on council land. Any idea what she can do? Uh, We have her details. We will get on to Cork County Council to see if they can uh, speed this process up. But if anybody else has been in this position and you are next to council land, what have you done? Uh, You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. On the pedestrian traffic lights in McCrew, one person here is saying yeah, it is those lights near Super Value that I thought it were. Uh, but this person is saying in other towns, when it's flashing amber for the traffic, the green man is gone. So the lights in McCroom are wrong. But then somebody else in the know is saying the lights in McCroom outside Super Value work perfectly. Same with the lights over near the bridge in McCroom. These lights only turn red for traffic if a pedestrian presses the button to cross. Lights go red for cars and green for pedestrians. After so many seconds, they start flashing green for pedestrians and flashing amber for cars. Obviously, cars then must give priority to pedestrians, so cars are only allowed to move if there are no pedestrians crossing. And that's what I thought, and that's the way most of those lights work. So it seems, from those in the know, the traffic lights near the super value in McCroom are working correctly. Uh, maybe people have different views on that. We'll see and we'll see if we can get to the bottom of it. Anyhow, uh, 0818 103 103 lines open. Uh, Joe Heffernan, our regular councillor on the show, joins me as usual on a Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, JP. And last Sunday it was Suicide Prevention Day and we did speak uh, to a number of people last week, one in particular of a person who lost a son and indeed a brother, Joe, uh, and in Charnival uh, through uh, a suicide. And we heard stories from other people and, and, and the after effects and how it affects them. But today, because of uh, Sunday being uh, Prevention Day and there was a number of events being held right across Cork for this, you want to look at awareness and to look at suicide prevention and the warning signs. Yeah. Now, these signs might, I mean, it wouldn't be a case of ring the emergency services um, in, in the things I'm going to talk about. A person could be just down for a short while. They might be down for maybe a longish time. They may need to have a chat with their GP or they may need to look up the um, DISCP website with um find a counsellor and they may choose to go and talk to someone professionally or uh, they might uh, have a chat with a a good trusted friend. But apart from all that, it's good to be aware that if a person is showing uh, certain signs of being down and if if their behaviour has changed uh, in ways that we will mention, well then it's good to talk to someone. Um, it is not necessarily um, a sign, or oh, this person is maybe going to take their own life. But on the other hand, it might be a sign of that. Um, so that uh, it's good to to be aware um, of uh, with loved ones um, if some of the following were to have happened, like, for example, a bereavement. Um, the breakup of a relationship, loss of a job, serious debt, um, a, a, a loss of self-confidence and self-esteem, um, 
a loss of interest in life generally, friends, sex, hobbies, activities previously enjoyed. Now, um, that might well be seen as a list of um, signs of depression. Yes, fair enough. But like, just because of the time that's in it with the um, suicide awareness um, day, um, you know, these things, um, it's good to mention them and it's good that people would be aware of them. Um, Not to just say, yeah, that'll pass. Um, It might, and it usually does. But um, uh, as we often say uh, on the programme, JP, awareness is is, uh, curative. Totally, and it's key as well for someone who may be in a situation that they notice a difference in a person's behaviour, not to challenge them, but to maybe ask them, is everything okay? And they may open up, or they may not open up, but they may open up at some stage if they know you're willing uh, to be there for them for help reasons. Absolutely, absolutely. That's exactly where we're coming from now today. If a person is suddenly, you know, sad and withdrawn, if they're uh, irritable in a way that they hadn't been, um, if they're showing clear signs of anxiety, if they seem to be lacking any uh, energy, tired all the time, um, not able to make simple um, decisions, in other words, like kind of switched off and, uh, and, and as we will use the term, and uh, seeming quite down. So not to just uh, say, okay, they'll get over it, it's it's good to to ask, you know, are you okay? And even maybe to say, I've noticed recently you are not in the best of form. Um, what what's happening for you? Um, and the person may well um talk out what's wrong. Uh, if they are very reluctant to do that in a family setting, we'll say, um, well then it might be a good thing to suggest maybe that the person should go and talk to someone. Um, you know, like to notice the change in behavior, um, you know, uh, being very irritable. Um, if it's a school person or a college person, um, neglecting the old school or college work, um, neglecting uh, the job, um, if the person is in a job, and routine tasks that would have been done without a mention before um the person would clearly always have as it were done a or b or c but they're not doing that anymore um well then uh like a a tv ad said at some stage it's good to talk yeah Um, and would the personality change then joe and the behavior change you mentioned there would that also then have an effect at night time when it comes to sleeping and sleep patterns that some may not sleep or their sleep routine could be totally thrown out absolutely difficulty sleeping is often um uh, indicative of a person not feeling well at all um now it could be for reasons a b c or d but it might be because the person is stressed. They may be lying in bed, head on the pillow, thinking about uh, whatever is stressing them. And, um, uh, and of course, uh, lack of sleep, um, it, it has a very, very, very um, negative effect on the following day. And if a person is not feeling great, well, 
lack of sleep is more certainly going to make it. It isn't going to help anyway, but it's going to make it worse. Yeah, staring at the ceiling in the middle hours of the night isn't good for anybody. But no. from the sleep patterns then, Joe, I presume, like everything else, when you're not in a good mood, or even if you're very, very worried over something, it can change the way you eat. You might be suffering maybe a loss of appetite, or you're just not hungry, or you just simply can't eat, I suppose, is, is the major thing where you have no interest in food. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it can go either way. It it can be um, a loss of appetite, no interest in food. Person doesn't even want to hear about food um, uh, with consequent weight loss. Or indeed, it could go the other way. It could go to comfort eating, overeating, uh, gaining weight, not eating in a healthy way. Um, you know, maybe too much sugary things, all of that. So that, um, yeah, and and what, what we're saying today, like, is that if you notice these changes in a loved one, in someone that you um, are um, living with, um, or indeed visiting as a, a close uh, family member or friend, well, then to just not, um, uh, you know, gloss over it as um, you're, he, he or she will get over it. Um, uh, to say it, I've noticed recently that, um, you know, you're not in the best of form. Um, is there anything wrong? Is there anything I could help with? Um, e- even that statement itself uh, gives the person a lift because maybe they feel very um, isolated, you know, and and uh, it's nice for them to hear that there's someone willing to um to help them to and give them that out. window of opportunity, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a person can feel that they're, you know, a person might say, I, I feel recently I'm, I'm, I'm losing it. Um, uh, a, a person may have got extremely careless about um, de- how they look, um, not bothering to, you know, what will we say, comb the hair, um, have a shower, um, look after themselves. Um, and these things would be noticeable, and when they are noticeable, they should be um, uh, commented on in a very diplomatic way. I, I've noticed recently, you know, that you're not um, you're not at your best. Um, is there anything wrong? Um, the the person you see can feel uh, have very low self esteem. They might be feeling that they're no use. Um, that they're worthless, uh, 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 to use the word. They may feel shame. They may have great regrets over something. They may have uh, guilt about something. Um, so that they would be in a, in a state of sort of self-hatred, even making statements like, do you know what, people would be better off without me. Um, now, that's a red, uh, talking about the traffic lights while ago, um, most of these are orange, like um, they're kind of uh, take notice. But um, the likes of that last one could well be a red light, and um, and and should be um, should be discussed. You know. Yeah, and acted on if you can help that person in, in the way you feel you can, or somebody else may be able to help them. I have a number of texts here, Joe, on this the subject. First of all, uh, from a person, and we won't call out their name. They're on WhatsApp. Uh, this person no longer, thankfully, they say uh, they don't uh, suffer from depression or indeed uh, from suicidal thoughts. But once upon a time, this person had severe depression and on the brink of suicide. Now they took a number of steps 
steps to help themselves. Uh, they must have taken four separate steps in particular for this person. They didn't depend on any one treatment alone and they did not do it alone. They reached out also to a number of people and indeed friends. So, you know, that helps. Uh, if that may help someone out there, Joan, I'm sure you would agree with that to talk about the situation and do look for help and maybe get the treatment that would suit you. Absolutely. And everyone is an individual and, um, you know, a treatment that will suit one may not suit another and vice versa. So the main thing is to to talk about it, to say I'm 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 not feeling well these times. Um, I'm 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 not optimistic about the future. Um, uh, you know, maybe even an attitude of things will never get any better. Uh, nothing is going to change. And that the person, just like that caller, and um, that is um, an enormously helpful um, WhatsApp text, that um, there is hope and that um, a person can be very down. I've met lots of people who have been extremely down and who are back and well and working and enjoying life. So, there's, um, you know, the main thing is not to give up. Yeah, and not and to become uh, a victim. I suppose while you mentioned there, they may and certain people may feel there's no hope for the future. There can be hope for, uh, for the future, as that last WhatsApp outline there. Also, somebody mm. else on text, Joe, is asking, as we have been discussing, talking to people and being open with people, what are the options other than talking for depression? Well, of course, there is the option of medication, and medication is often extremely helpful. Um, in fact, um, quite a lot of people down through the years that I have spoken with uh, in my own work would be a combination of both. We'll call it talk therapy and um, uh, and medication uh, combined uh, often works extremely well. Um, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a good idea to kind of... Uh, um, uh, establish a thinking pattern of, well, it's either one or the other. It's not. It's often, and in fact, very often, a very successful um, way of going would be a combination of both. Okay, so, well, I suppose, yeah. as you mentioned, Joe, it is good to be aware, and that's what we've outlined today. For the moment, we have to leave it there. But thanks for joining us uh, again, as you do every Tuesday. Back again next Tuesday is Joe Heffernan, who's a regular show counsellor here on Cork today. You can contact Joe on 086-834-8145. Thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. And we'll chat to you tomorrow morning from 10am with Cork Today. Enjoy your Tuesday afternoon. I'm John Paul McNamara.